0: Here it is, welcome back to the show, this is the ADF Underground brought to you by All Day Football. What's up y'all, I am your host Chris, they call me Chaus, welcoming you back to another episode Playoffs, we are finally here. Wildcard weekend is upon us in a couple days. But before we jump into that, we got to discuss something that is making news uh, on all over uh, social media, Twitter especially. It's the Deshaun Watson situation. So it was interesting because we had seen that clip of JJ Watt, you know, apologizing to his quarterback, saying, you know, sorry that we uh, basically ruined another year of your career. And I mean, this is kind of uh, snowballing into the the effect of how the Texans are moving forward. We heard rumors circulating around saying that Deshaun Watson would be in favor of requesting a trade, if you can believe it. He just signed that big long-term contract. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins got dealt, and that was a big blow. He did lead the league in, in, I believe, total yards this season by well over 5,000, led the league in passing yards. I mean, he had a good season, especially in the second half As as the year moved forward. He was playing that much better. And now the the rumor mill is is suggesting that he is uh, quite frustrated, angry in the direction of the team. And and the recent news also comes, I just saw breaking on Twitter, is that Deshaun Watson uh, personally advocated for uh to get head coach uh, Eric Bieniemy the offensive coordinator uh for the Kansas City Chiefs that he advocated for him to be the head coach I should say of the Houston Texans and the Houston Texans didn't even give this man an interview. So this is now complicating matters because you know he wants an offensive mind. He wants someone from the Andy Reid tree to guide this team, guide this franchise and i think if bianemy did get the job in houston we would see a transformation and now we have the the stages set everything is ready for a massive drama coming this off season to see what's going to happen. I mean, contractually, Deshaun Watson is obviously locked in. He it will not benefit him to hold out in any stretch, so he might have to suck it up. But I mean, requesting a trade, it's going to take a boatload of picks and maybe even a player. As I've seen, I even saw one uh, analyst suggest that it could be in the realm of two to three first-round picks, a second-round pick, and a player. That's that's a heavy price to pay for a quarterback even of deshaun watson's uh value and and ability i mean that is uh selling your future uh for a franchise quarterback so i i as we stand today it's very difficult for me to suggest any situation where deshaun watson will be traded they just hired on a new general manager he has ties to the new england patriots so it's, it's going to be an interesting offseason. I mean, yes, we still have lots of playoff football to go, but, I mean, the offseason uh, stuff is starting to come to fruition now. We're seeing coaches fired. We're going to be seeing the carousel of interviews happening, and and we'll see. There's going to be a lot of changeover happening to these rosters as well, like we see every single season. Uh, but I thought that was worth highlighting for sure. Deshaun Watson, he is going to be a name this offseason that we are going to want to watch closely because it's going to be a lot of drama. A lot of things happening, so – so we'll see, but let's dive into Wild Card Weekend. I'm excited. I'm ecstatic. My Buffalo Bills are uh, leading off Saturday. So the the new playoff format had seven teams enter the postseason. We have three games on Saturday, three games on Sunday. Starting off the slate will be the Buffalo Bills hosting hosting the Indianapolis Colts. Right now, the Bills are favored by six points, is what I see, and it's an interesting game. It is. It's the it's the early one. It's the first one, and when we start to dive in, I looked into this game quite a bit. Obviously, Josh Allen. We'll start with the Buffalo Bills, taking the fandom out like you guys know. As a fan, I'm excited. I can't wait to see this game on the field, but as an analyst, I will break this game down uh, the way it should be broken down. So Josh Allen, to me right now, he is in the MVP category. I know everybody wants to give it to Aaron Rodgers, but you really have to look back and see what it was That Josh Allen was able to accomplish I mean he broke records for the Buffalo Bills franchise he broke NFL records for being the first quarterback to have over 4500 yards I believe it was uh, uh, 35 touchdown passes and um, what was it five rushing touchdowns I believe it was in that realm. And, I mean, he's, he's played fantastic. I mean, from the second year to third year, his completion percentage has been improved by a whopping 10%. That's massive. He has now helped Stefan Diggs become the leading receiver in receptions and yards this year. I mean, the list goes on and on. He has carried this club. His his running ability gives them the the ability to do whatever they want offensively. If he sees the zone, you know he's passing. You see the man-to-man. He sees the 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 names on all the players' backs on the defensive side, and he's able to take off and run. I mean, this is how multi-dimensional Josh Allen does make this offense. And even going up t- up against a team like the Indianapolis Colts, I I was a little bit more worried um, before I dove into all the statistics and to the to the matchup play. But I mean, you really. When you look at this, the, the Colts have not played as well defensively of late. DeForest Buckner is a question mark. He's been dealing with an injury. He he drew the questionable tag for this contest. No question in my mind he's going to play. Um, I, I I don't foresee him sitting in this contest whatsoever. They desperately need him on this defensive side. But as it stands today, the Colts on the defense, are beatable, especially through the air. Buffalo will be able, their offensive line has played so well this season, I have no doubt that Josh Allen will get the protection he needs, and he's going to make things happen Excuse me, through the air. And, and I mean, offensively for the Bills, I really wonder if they're going to be able to get the ground game going. I think that is going to be... a a tall tell for how they will go this offseason if they can have even a lead of any stretch by the end of the game if they can utilize the ground game to kill the clock I I foresee a lot of Zach Moss in these playoffs I really do if the Bills can string together some wins I think Zach Moss is going to be a very much a featured player in these schemes in this offense especially in the late stages where they want to control the clock okay and now we also had Stefan Diggs and Colby they were both on the injury report. Uh, coach Sean McDermott was a little bit coy in in the fact of saying when the reporters were asking him if, if Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley are plan, are going to play this week. And he said, yeah, we'll see. But I mean, that that's total coach speak, in my opinion. You know, Stefan Diggs is not missing this contest. Beasley, it would be more of a question mark, but I still foresee him also suiting up for this contest. If we flip to the Colts side. This is the thing. The Colts are predicated upon the run. We know this. They've tried to establish the run ever since week one. As they started integrating their wide receivers with T.Y. Hilton, with Michael Pittman and, and company, They kind of went away from the tight ends. It was more run and then tight ends early on in the season. Now they have used T.Y. Hilton a little bit more. Now the ground game is moving that much more efficiently. Jonathan Taylor looks like the guy we all were preaching. I was preaching up Jonathan Taylor all the way back from the offseason. Loved his ability. Now it seems he's found his legs. He's able to find the holes. His vision looks better. The patience is better this is going to be a problem for the Bills, even though the Bills have improved their run defense. I mean, when we go back to the to around the early stages, what, week 5, 6, when they played the Tennessee Titans and the Kansas City Chiefs, um, the Bills were scorched on the ground. I mean, it was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and it was uh, Derrick Henry. They just destroyed the Bills on the ground. And they both, uh, co- not coincidentally, they lost those contests. So here's the situation where the Buffalo Bills... Uh, or the Indianapolis Colts will try to control the clock on the Buffalo Bills by using the ground game and then opening up the pass through the play-action pass, which is all of Philip Rivers Avenue. I mean, that's just what he does. Where the Colts will suffer is if Josh Allen and the Bills get up to a lead. If Even if they get up 714 points, this is going to make the Colts forced to uh, to pass the ball a lot more. Frank Reich is going to have to uh, call more passing plays. This will not bode well for the Colts and Phillip Rivers. Once he is playing from behind, he just doesn't have it anymore. This is where the interceptions come. This is when the, the poor uh, play execution will come from. I just don't see it. I think the only way that the Bills lose this game, in my opinion, is if they turn the ball over and they can't generate points. Because if it is a close contest, the Colts could have the upper hand with how strong their running game is. But with that said, I mean, Philip Rivers, again, like I'm saying, he hasn't been necessarily utilizing his wide receivers. Perhaps we see a lot of Naheem Hines in the past game. I would not be shocked to see that as well. That will be the wrinkle in the Bills' D that they will have to adjust if that starts happening early on in this contest because I could see Naheem Hines going off and having a very big day. But I mean, when you come to the perspective of this wide receiver core for the Colts, I don't think they can hang with the Buffalo Bills secondary. Trey White will be locked up on T.Y. Hilton. I think that that will open up the ability for a safety like Poirier or Hyde to play on the line a little bit more, help a lot more in run support. Matt Milano was back, obviously, for several weeks now. He has adjusted his game to help support the run this game to me six points i mean it might be close late down to the wire but i don't i don't hate it i really don't hate it six points for the buffalo bills i think that they will capitalize they are the better overall team i believe they scored what 124 points in the last three games they had a massive tune-up against the miami dolphins especially with their backups they put up 56 against the dolphins who were the uh number one d ranked defense in giving up i believe points this season so i mean the Bills are just flying right now. Only thing that can beat them, in my opinion, is going to be themselves and the turnovers. So you got to think that the if the Colts can't do anything defensively, the Bills are just going to—I uh, don't want to say it's going to be a runaway, but I won't be surprised if it is. I'm going with the Bills in this contest. They move on. On the strength of Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs and company, I think they're going to have a fantastic game. Next game is the L.A. Rams taking travel to Seattle to face the Seahawks. Spread currently right now is 3.5 points. In favor of the Seahawks, we have gotten word that Jared Goff is practicing, which is great news for the L.A. Rams. They would have had to have gone with John Wolford. I mean, he didn't look great last week. He, he was okay. I mean, what was he last week? 22 of 38 for 231 and one interception. He did run the ball a little bit, so... I mean, there's that. It's not, I mean, if Jared Goff can't go, I mean, we do know that it is a massive downgrade for this offense. Uh, Specifically, Cooper Cup has been activated off the COVID protocol. He is likely to suit up in this contest. On the reverse for the Seattle Seahawks, we did see that Jamal Adams was a question mark with an injury. He said he's a full go, regardless of what the injury report shows. He's going to suit up and get out there, and that's huge for that defense. Seattle's D has been playing that much better over the last five weeks as well. I, I think that uh, they – I, I want to appropriately um, highlight this because they, they were very porous at the beginning of the season. They were the liability, and this is what made Russell Wilson have to throw the ball, keep this team in games, put the team on his shoulders, on his back, and that's what he did. Now with this defense playing a little bit better, now with Jamal Adams being that quarterback on the defensive side of the ball, I think that this is kind of – a little bit of a give and take. We've seen Russell Wilson kind of pull back in his level of play. He's thrown a career-high 13 interceptions this season. But that is, I mean, you have to highlight that because that isn't what Russell Wilson does normally and typically in his career. But he has thrown for 40 touchdowns, over 4,000 yards. I mean, he's had a stellar season as well. The run game is going to be very important in this contest as well. It is the Chris Carson. It's going to be Cam Akers likely. I think whoever wins the ground game will have a massive leg up in this contest. And the Rams have not been able to sustain that type of offensive productivity over the last five weeks. And that is a concern. I mean, we did see that blow up with Cam Akers against the New England Patriots. And then after that, it kind of fell off. Granted, it was due in part to the injury to Jared Goff. He clearly wasn't playing at 100%. But getting your receivers involved, getting the tight ends involved, I'm very curious to see how Coach McVay is going to attack this Seattle uh, defense, which is susceptible to giving up big plays. Like I said, even though they have been playing better of late, they are still susceptible. DK Metcalf has got to be a big vocal point focal point in this one. I think uh, the the matchup against Jalen Ramsey, I think you just need to force feed that. I think that it's going to be strength versus strength and superstar versus superstar. And then, you know, test it a few times. If it's not there, then you must go to Tyler Lockett, obviously. But the, the the Seahawks desperately need to find their identity on the offensive side as they did in the first half of this season. If they can't do that, this defense is going to pounce. Aaron Donald and company are going to have to pitch a shutout if they want to compete in this contest. Um Because depending, I mean, what do we really know about Goff? I mean, it's on on his throwing hand. He's got an injured thumb on his throwing hand, and that could preclude them from moving the ball with great efficiency. I mean, we've seen it all season long. Goff has not been the player that we have come to expect in this Sean McVay system. He is falling down. The trend is going in the wrong direction. Now he's got an injured uh, thumb on his throwing hand. I mean... This spells a lot of danger for this offense. It really does. I mean, we could see turnovers and missed passes and three and outs because he will not be able to push the ball. This is why I say the run game is going to be heavily utilized by the Rams, and they need it to work. They really do. Um, But for my money in this contest, I mean, it's in Seattle. The Rams barely got into the postseason. They had some help with a couple teams winning three and a half points. I don't hate it. I think this game is going to be more in the three-point range. I I think I probably will select the point spread article will come out tomorrow or today, Friday as well. It's going to be the show is being recorded on Thursday, but the spread will come out on Friday. I think that I will take the three points after I will do some more evaluating but I really do feel this could be a three-point contest. Either way, I think that's kind of where I'm settling it on. I still think the Seahawks win this game. I think that being at home is a, is a big advantage for them, even without the uh, the crowd and the fans, but I still think they take this contest. Finishing Saturday, it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, favored by eight points, going to Washington to face the Washington football team. Washington, obviously, with their porous record of, what, six or seven and nine they get a home game after winning the division of the weak NFC East. I mean, it was just a disaster this season. But the way the NFL rules are, division winners host the first game in the wild card, and they they get Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This contest, to me, is extremely interesting. And I have had some debate with some of my colleagues, and you know, I, I can see it both ways. And, and it's not that I'm... I'm, I'm saying that the upset is going to happen. I'm really not, but I won't be shocked. And, and I'll tell you why. So the defensive front for this Washington team, we've seen this, man. The the maturation and the growth uh, over the entire season, we've seen how good that they can be. Chase Young, and rookie Chase Young and company, that front seven, that front four is just dominating. They are a problem for the best offensive lines in the NFL. Let's not kid ourselves. Tampa Bay is not a very strong offensive line. They are not. And and Chase Young and company will be geared up to take it to this uh, offensive front. They will. Tom Brady has played very well of late. Uh, it started on that what week 16 game on the Saturday versus the Detroit Lions. That was the tune-up the Tampa Bay Bucks needed, and they did it. They showed great efficiency, moving and spreading the ball around to all their wide receivers, still getting the run game going. Now you go to Washington, long-distance travel. Now you go and face one of the better, I don't want to say one of the best yet, but they are climbing, and they are one of the better front fours They will be after Tom Brady, ears pinned back and all, and they will be pressuring. Yes, does Tom Brady release the ball still quicker, have one of the quickest releases in the entire NFL? Yes, he still does that. But if they cannot protect Tom Brady, this is going to be a big, big problem. This could force turnovers. This could force three and outs. Okay, this is going to be a problem where Washington can capitalize if they can get some stops in this contest is trying to put up points and control the clock. This is their game. Eight points to me. It is high for a playoff game. I really struggle with the eight points right now versus the spread. I really do. Not to suggest that Washington is going to be able to move the ball efficiently with Alex Smith. It's, it's it's such a difficult sell, and, and I'm trying to even convince myself out of this because even if they do have Antonio Gibson running well, that uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive front themselves are one of the best in the entire league versus the run. Alex Smith is going to have to find ways to pass the ball. Terry McLaurin and Cam Sims are going to have to have a big day. Logan Thomas have to have a big day. Alex Smith, he likely could have to throw a good 35 times in this game. Short dump off passes, hopefully to get first downs. But this has got to be your game plan. You have to control this clock. Everything has to be eating the clock. Don't give Tom Brady opportunities to be on the field and scorch your defense. You cannot do it. If they can do that, the Washington football team with the defense they have could could possibly, like I said, I won't be shocked, they could possibly pull off the upset here. I know it's crazy, but I, I won't be shocked. With that said, I'm still going to go inside with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because of how they've played of late. I, I Eight points seems a little high. I might take the under in that one as well. Only because of how good Tom Brady has looked these past two weeks. Antonio Brown is in the mix. You know, we had Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. I haven't seen any reports to see if he will be playing in this contest. We saw him. He he stumbled or slipped up on the field, hyperextended his knee. So I know that's a concern as well. Haven't seen the injury report on him just yet. I don't I I'll be I'd be surprised if he suits up in this game, which will open the door for Godwin um, Gronk and company to be uh, the, the primary source for offense in this game. But I mean, I'm still going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win this game. But like I said, don't be surprised if we see the Washington football team pull out the miracle and win this contest. Moving on to Sunday. We got three games on Sunday as well on wildcard weekend, starting with another dandy, the Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans in Tennessee. Three and a half point favorites for the Ravens. And I mean, okay, this one is, is I was, you know, as a Bills fan, I was happy to see this game put together because right off the bat, one of these two is out. And that's massive for even the Kansas City Chiefs, even like whoever's going to continue to roll. Having one of these teams out in the first round is huge. So, first, we'll start with the Ravens. Favored by three and a half, like I said, so four points. I don't hate this spread whatsoever. And here's why from the beginning of the season, we and I have been preaching so much why aren't the Baltimore Ravens running the football? This is what their offense is, is is built upon. This is what their foundation was the season before, and we saw how successful they were at it. Lamar Jackson was able to get the play-action pass moving. The coverage schemes were weak because they had to defend the run. They had to pull up extra guys to help and support. And Baltimore, for a majority of this season, got away from that. And I still can't tell you why. I don't think anybody can. I've been saying this basically for the entire season. Now, over these last three games that they have played, we have seen that transformation back into what the Ravens should have done all along. And that is control the game on the ground. You got thoroughbreds in that backfield added with Lamar Jackson, who is an athletic freak and a half. Now they're starting to move the ball. What did they have? Over 300 yards of rushing offense last week in Week 17. I mean, this just tells you how powerful they can be. J.K. Dobbins is starting to find his his form. He's looking great. And this is doing it all without Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram has been a healthy scratch. He hasn't been playing. It's been the Gus Edwards, Gus the Bus, and J.K. Dobbins show, along with Lamar Jackson starting to find his legs again. And what has been happening with that run? The play-action pass. Now, all of a sudden, Hollywood Brown. Go look at his stats. If you if you think that I'm wrong here, go and look at these stats. You go look at what Hollywood Hollywood Brown did in the first ten weeks of the NFL season. Go go look it up. It was simple, and because that this offense was not running the ball, play action is massive for this offense. And now, look, Hollywood Brown, I believe, has scored in, what, the four of the last five games? He is now finding his receptions. He is now burning the defenses. Now the defense doesn't know what to cover. Do we sit, uh, sit up on the line and bl- and help support the run uh, defense, or do we keep them back to not get burned by Hollywood? This is the offense, man. This is the offense, and now you add the the players like Des Bryant. You add a little bit of sprinkling to back to Mark Andrews. I mean, this this offense is very potent, very potent. And I think with how poor Tennessee's uh, defensive secondary is, I mean, this is going to be a problem all day long. I really foresee this. If it. If if they were playing the Tennessee defense, uh, especially the secondary, if they were playing like they were in the first seven games, then yeah, I would, I would, I would cringe a little bit. But it has been night and day difference in in the in the wrong direction for this secondary. So speaking of those Tennessee Titans, we do have Derrick Henry. He did break the two thousand yard mark, if you can believe it. Last guy to do it was CJ Two K, another Tennessee Titan. Unbelievable to have two running backs in your history to break the 2,000. 1000 yard mark. I mean, uh, congratulations Derrick Henry. That is a massive uh, accomplishment. And and further to that, I mean, he's got 378 carries for 2027 yards still having a 5.36 average per carry. Like that is unbelievable. Unbelievable. If you think if you know the punishment these running backs take year in year out, I mean, he played a full season. Not didn't miss one game. Almost 400 carries. 17 touchdowns on top of that so I mean we know this offense is built upon Derrick Henry running the ball controlling the game controlling the flow come in the fourth quarter Derrick Henry finishes everybody off because they're swollen and they're sore and you know Derrick Henry's just going to keep on bruising them down like a tank this is what the Tennessee Titans are and what they have done as well it's a very similar offensive approach to the Baltimore Ravens very close they utilize the play action pass after Henry does break them down And, and this is where we see Antonio uh, or A.J. Brown, excuse me, and and Corey Davis start to pick it up. I mean, Antonio or A.J., I don't know why I keep saying that. A.J. Brown, he had a massive season, and it was very quiet. I mean, he had, what, 70 receptions, 1,075 yards, and 11 touchdowns. That's a great season in this type of offense, okay? Very good season. And and Corey Davis started coming on late, so, I mean, they do have the ability to keep up. If the score gets out of hand, it wouldn't be like the seasons prior where you would kind of question whether or not Ryan Tannehill can get this offense moving when they need him. I'm convinced. I mean, with with AJ Brown, there's no question that they can move the ball through the air and then punish you on the ground. So I mean, I could very much see a, a back and forth showdown. In this contest, but where I do uh, lean towards Baltimore in this respect is the fact of the how poor the Titans' defense has been playing in the secondary. It is such a concern for me. I can't get past it one bit. If, if Tennessee is going to win this game, they're going to have to have some stops and, and perhaps some turnovers. But, I mean, Lamar Jackson and company have been playing very well these past three weeks, and, and I think they found their offense again. And we know this. Playoffs are about being hot at the right time. And, and right now, I think the Ravens are, are one of the hotter teams coming into this postseason. So I am going to side with the Ravens. I'll probably go under because this game could end with a three-point victory as well on either side. But I'm going with the Ravens in this contest. The middle game on Sunday is the Chicago Bears taking travel to New Orleans to face the Saints, who are nine and nine-and-a-half-point favorites. Drew Brees and company, this is it. This is the last hurrah likely for Drew Brees in the NFL, as he has already accepted a position to be a broadcaster in his in his retirement. So, I mean, could he return? Sure. I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't suggest that he couldn't. But I mean, this uh, I'm, I'm banking on the fact that this is his last hurrah. This is the last go around. This is the last opportunity for him to win a Super Bowl, go out on top like some of his other predecessors. and And we'll see. I like this team a lot. I like the New Orleans Saints a lot. Their defense is extremely strong it was a massive blow to see Quan Alexander lost a couple weeks back to that Achilles injury when they traded for him from the 49ers. I thought, my goodness, here we go. This defense is now loaded and ready to take it down and without, and we saw it. We saw it week in, week out how powerful this defense became with Quan Alexander at that position and now that he's gone, I mean, we kind of will see the stumbling happen again at the position And, and that's a little bit worrisome for me, but this week going up against the Chicago Bears, who Yes, have been playing much better since uh, Mitchell Trubisky came back in and took over. Uh, Coach Matt Nagy seems to have simplified the offensive approach, leaning on the ground game with David Montgomery a whole heck of a lot more. Montgomery has had a good season. He finished, definitely finished strong. He went over the 1,000 yard mark this season, found the end zone eight times. But again, this is going to be. Alvin Kamara and and I mean, okay, he's coming off the COVID list. That is something to watch as well. He had the COVID. He's he's able to return, I believe, on Saturday, um, to, to excuse me, to practice with his team and to see what he can do. But, I mean, this is the offense. We know this. And and with Drew Brees behind center, it's okay. Michael Thomas is also supposed to come back. So you could have the full horses on the field at the same time for basically the first time this year uh, since, like, week one or two to have every single one of them locked and loaded and ready to go. I just don't see even how strong Chicago's defense has been all season. I really struggle to see them competing for four quarters in this game, especially with the the run being their, their main source to get this offense moving. Chicago I'm speaking of. If they can't get Montgomery moving in this game, I, I desperately struggle to put any faith and support behind Trubisky to be that passing quarterback um, to get things done. I mean, yes, again, here we go, 9.5 points. That's 10 points. So you're basically saying that they won't score anywhere up, upwards of 10-plus to 17, even though 20 is likely the mark they're going to get. Um, I, I find it very difficult to see 10 points covered. But... Um, but it's so difficult to go against these New Orleans Saints and how well they have been playing. I mean, uh, they finished this season, even with, uh, with Taysom Hill, they finished year, the year 12-4. and four. I uh, I'm, I'm, I got to go with the Saints in this game. Uh, barring some miracle of, of any injury or turnover problem, I see the Saints rolling in this one, no question. Uh, I am still going to debate on the spread. I won't call that game here. So definitely tune into the article for that one because I will have a a distinct winner in that one. Final game on Sunday on wildcard weekend is the Cleveland Browns taking travel to Pittsburgh to face the Steelers. Steelers are favored by six points, a whopping touchdown uh to beat the Browns who have been playing very strong football 11 and 5 this season and the Steelers 12 and 4 Steelers have faded big time over the last what four weeks since they lost uh to the Washington football team on that COVID game it's a it's a concern man it is and i mean i was i was believing i was totally believing in what pittsburgh was selling me i was believing in what they were giving us but now everything is is altered and changed. I mean, we saw how well they had been playing, spreading the ball to Chase Claypool, spreading it to Deontay Johnson and company. You know, Juju sprinkled in with certain games here and there. But the fact remains is that they were able to run the ball with some form of efficiency. We've seen I've I've never seen Ben Roethlisberger this statuesque in in the pocket. I haven't. I mean, throughout his entire career. We have seen Big Ben. He has been like that pylon you can't bring down. He's always moving, getting out of the pocket. You just haven't seen that this year. His release, I've said it on multiple shows, his release is the fastest this season in the NFL at just over 2 seconds after he gets the hut. And that's that's a telling sign. I mean, and it's all short passes, especially when you can't run the ball, you're trying to manufacture the run through the short pass, and that's exactly what they're going to do in this one as well. I mean, they're going to have their key shots to go deep to Claypool and company, but I mean, it's going to be a difficult task. I think Denzel Ward is back for the Browns. Greedy Williams is back as well on the secondary. So, I mean, this is not a runaway whatsoever if people want to believe that the, that the Steelers are going to just run away with this contest at home. The only caveat that I see that scares me half to death in this game for the Browns is their head coach, Kevin Stefanski, not being able to be on the sidelines To COVID, he caught the COVID. He is not allowed to be on the sidelines. He will not be allowed to coach this game. I'm hearing rumor that it's going to be the special teams uh, coach who is going to uh, lead the charge for this team on the sidelines, and that's worrisome. But with how we've seen Kevin Stefanski, you know, do his thing with this club, he will have his special teams uh, coordinator all all sewn up for what he should do, calling plays in every situation and scenario. The only issue I have with this is gonna be the in-game calls. It's gonna be the timeouts. It's gonna be the clock management. It's gonna be how efficient are the calls when they have to go no huddle, when they have to slow it down, if he's got to make a challenge. You know, these are the types of things, the little intricacies. In this game is is what's going to be, I think, the win or lose because Mike Tomlin has been here many times. The pressure is not, a, not great for him. I mean, uh, special teams coach, team first time in the playoffs in how many years for the Browns? I mean that's kind of where I see where this game could be won or lost. But in that as well, we do have Nick Chubb, we do have Kareem Hunt. Even without Coach Stefanski, they're still going to be dedicated to that ground game. You know they're going to ride the the Chubb train, and I'm all for it. I think Chubb against the Steelers, who have been pretty stout versus the run, Nick Chubb is a guy that can definitely break free. I think Baker Mayfield is going to be the one to watch as well. If he goes turnover free football, he can he can stick with these guys 110 percent I, I i see no reason over the past six weeks what i've seen of baker mayfield his improvement his maturation and and his ability to become the leader that this team really truly needed i'm i'm, I'm sold i i think that the cleveland browns are a better football team than i gave them credit for at the beginning of the year even at the middle por- uh, uh, po- portion of the year um but i mean it was for me it was justifiable based on what they were doing Um, At that point, now they have found their identity clearly in my eyes. Now they look like a a more polished, more well-rounded squad. I think they're a tough beat. I really do, especially against a team like the Steelers who are struggling. And here's the other thing as well. When Bud Dupree went down with that injury, that season-ending injury, it did change and alter how the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense uh, can operate. I mean, there's you can't tell me otherwise. I mean, you can't. It, the proof is in the film. The proof is how they've played. TJ Watt, yeah, he's, he's had a fantastic season. But the minute Bud Dupree went down, you can see so much more attention has been placed on stopping TJ from getting at the quarterback. You know, it exposes the ground game for them to be able to stop the run and I mean we're talking six points for the Steelers I'm not touching that with a 10 foot pole I think the Cleveland Browns make this a game I think the Cleveland Browns can definitely win this game but they got to play lights out football they really do they got to control this game on the ground and I know it sounds like that's what I'm saying with a lot of these teams but I mean this is playoffs you gotta you gotta control these games with the run and then you expose everybody with the pass. I mean, this game could be cold. I mean, the weather could be cold out there in Pittsburgh. So, I mean, everything is going to be on the ground. You got to control these games. You got to control the opportunities and you got to punch it in for touchdowns. That's the other thing. I think if Pittsburgh or if Cleveland can't score touchdowns and they're doing field goals to Pittsburgh's touchdowns, that's where you're going to kind of see the flip in this game. As it goes, I think we're going to see a very tight contest early on and then the the gates will open up in the second half. But I still think that uh, I'm taking the under in this one and I will not be surprised if the Cleveland Browns pull out the upset here. It's going to be another very good show. So I mean, that's it. That is wild card weekend, man. We are getting closer to the Super Bowl. This is where we start. I mean, enjoy the day. It's it's both Saturday and Sunday full days of football three games apiece. i'm excited i hope you are too to all the fantasy players i didn't get a chance to congratulate you guys on winning your championships last uh, week as we didn't have a show but i mean congratulations i i hope you have your trophies and your rings that's great great stuff love seeing all the comments and all the uh, on twitter uh saying uh, that they won their championships i know i'm a week late but again congratulations so i mean on that note that is the show thanks so much for tuning in you can find me on twitter at chris underscore adf1 you can find the show on twitter at adf underground to all the listeners thank you for all the support and until next time stay humble stay peaceful and take care of each other i'm out